Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon. I'm bracing myself. So is Louise. Because she has arranged this and she's going to do it too, I can assure you. What am I talking about? We're going to taste snails. Escargot on the show today. Yes, Peter Monaghan from Innes Escargot is with us. And he's preparing the snails fresh here in LMFM's kitchen. And we are going to taste them on the show today. Wish me luck. I love me food. I really do love me food. But snails, escargot, we'll see where that goes. Peter is with us on the show after two. Don't miss that. It's surely worth finding out how we get on. Andrea Mara is in the house today. She's author of the brilliant bestseller, No One Saw a Thing. Uh, she's just fantastic. A very good friend of ours. And uh, more besides coming your way. My top five countdown continuing. Another guest too. If you want to get in touch with us on late lunch, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We love to hear from you. And you might want to comment on our first item on the show today because yesterday the government uh, approved plans to ban the sale of vaping products to under-18s. It's set to become law in July. First up today, what's it uh, mean to uh, the schools? Uh, School principal John Halpin from St. Oliver's Community College is with me on the line. Afternoon, John. Hi, Jerry. How are things? Not so bad. John, what do you make of this? You don't allow vaping, do you, in the school anyway? No, we don't. No, we, we, we consider it right from the very, very outset to be a tobacco-based product. Uh, so we, we adjusted our policy to, to, to keep, uh, keep uh, vaping out as well as uh, uh, tobacco-based products. And we, we battle that. We fight that battle all the time. And what do you mean fight it? Do they try to vape in the school? Do they take vapes in with them and, and try to use them? Oh, we've, we've had audiences now and then, but uh, thankfully it hasn't really grown uh, to, be, to be a significant problem. But uh, uh, there, there are teenagers who, who will try uh, and, and see uh, how far the boundaries can be pushed. But we have, we have a, a no vaping policy and... Uh, 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 lots of coverage and lots of supervision in the school to make sure that it doesn't happen. Do you welcome this, under-18s, no sale to under-18s? Yes, I do, Jerry. Uh, very much so. Anything we can do to promote uh, the health of our young people is exactly what we should be doing. Um, and uh, uh, I very much welcome it. Um, uh, I, I, I actually feel that we've, we've probably, we had gone to a stage where we had... Uh, where we had uh, uh, broken down the the myth of, of, of smoking and it became less fashionable uh, right, right down to about a handful of people that, that we would have seen uh, smoking and then uh, vaping has, has come in and, and, and 
been seen as a little bit more fashionable, and you can see the increase in in, in vaping among young people at uh, at this stage, um, inside and outside of um, uh, of, of um, uh, homes and schools, and uh, you can see it downtown and places like that as well. You can see the popularity of it rising. Mm. And uh, I just see the Irish Heart Foundation today are saying that research conclusively points to the. Uh, the scenario that teenagers who use e-cigarettes are up to five times more likely to start smoking compared to those that don't, you know. So that's an interesting finding from from research that has been carried out. Um, Do they, you know, burst to get out the door and vape when class is over? Or, you know, do they take a last drag before they come in? (laughs) No, not really. It's not really the way it it, it seems to work. It's basically more of a a habit thing there that... uh, that you would see, I would say you see some young people, particularly on the way to school and the way home from school, uh, just casual vaping is, is, is the way I'd probably see most of it, to be honest. Uh, um, but it's, um, but but I think as well as that, Jerry, that young people are are, are starting a lot more health conscious than they have been. They're into healthy eating, they're into their fitness and. Uh, uh, we just need to make sure that we take away these sort of temptations as well. Mm, I see as well the law is going to curb advertising of e-cigarettes in the vicinity of schools, which is good too, yeah. and uh, ban their sale from vending machines. Isn't it funny that you say that? They're into, you know, their fitness, they're aware of uh, what they should eat and eat properly, their weight, yeah. uh, things like that. Uh, and yet this thing can be very pervasive. It can, it can, but um, there's, there's always uh, there's always a, a room there for, for uh, kind of fashion to kick in. I think is the way to do it on fads again like that um, and become established. Um, there's a, there's very heavy uh, there's very heavy advertising behind the whole uh, vaping process. You can't go into a shopping centre or, uh, or even walk down the streets without coming across vaping shops uh, selling these things, and uh, uh, it, it's quite it's and uh, that doesn't um, that doesn't help uh, if, if it's seen as something that's negative uh, towards the uh, health mm. of any young person. Anyway, thanks for joining. I wanted to get your opinion and views on this. Good luck with the exams. You're all set. Uh, we're, we're all set, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, trying to keep things as calm as possible and uh, uh, looking forward to it. And uh, the students are, are reacting well and are well prepared. And we wish all students well uh, in the in the coming weeks. It's. Uh, we realise it's a tough and stressful time, but but hang on in there, and, and it will it will work out the way you want to. And uh, very confident about the, the young people uh, uh, and uh, to succeed and uh, and carry us forward, Jerry. So really looking, really looking I, forward to it. Yeah, may I join in those good wishes to all students sitting state exams at this time, and good luck to you all. And keep it calm, as John says, and collected. Uh, you'll get through it, that's for sure. John, thanks for taking our call today. Always appreciate it. Take care now. Bye-bye. That's John Halpin there, Principal of St. Oliver's Community College. They have 1,515 students in that school. It's the equal biggest second level school in Ireland. It's uh, some school population. It really is. Apologies for the the line there. A little bit uh, dodgy on and off. Um, John Halpin mentioned retailers there. Let's talk to uh, uh, representatives of the retailers. Keegan's news agents in Carrick Macross, a busy spot. Philip Keegan joins me. Hi, Philip. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Um, first off, again, same question to you. What do you make of, the, of this law? I think it's about time. Um, it's something that should have happened years ago. I think the state is, is late in coming to the party with this is concerned. Um, <clears throat> I, I feel that um, 
it, it, as John mentioned, it's a, it's a backup product. He's dead right. It's a nicotine-based product, um, and it should be regulated. Um, and I um, wholeheartedly welcome it. Good on you. And, you know, from your point of view, just this law is going to be law. This uh, proposal is going to be law, should I say, in July. You you won't be able to sell it under 18. So you, you require ID from somebody coming in, buying a vaping product then. Absolutely. But the thing is, you see, uh, Jerry, is that um, we've required ID from the start. Mm. We've been selling vape products for, what, six, seven years now. It's become a huge part of our, of our, of our offering. Um, and uh, we have always... Um, insisted on ID. And I think you'll find that with most um, licensed retailers that, um, they, that they do. And that's the point. It needs to be regulated. John also mentioned the point there that um, it's advertised heavily. Any shopping centre you walk into that you see vaping stalls just set up you know, overnight practically. And that's because it's, it's because they're so popular, but they're not regulated at all. Um, and you've other outlets as well, and you've got markets and other outlets that are um, opening up in, in towns across the country, and there's no regulation whatsoever. And um, you see signs in doorways where they say, um, you know, no school uniforms allowed, as opposed to, you know, under 18s not allowed. So it kind of shows you where it's coming from. It needs to be regulated, it needs to be policed, and it shouldn't just be policed by the retailers. You know, the state has always just relied on the retailers to police it. But um, it, it, it's, it's great now that the HSE can get involved and, 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 um, and follow up on it and police it properly. It's a, criti- a criticism I've often had of laws enacted. One, for example, is the littering law. Do you know what I mean? Or the chewing gum yeah. disposal law or, you know, the dog fouling laws. How many have actually been prosecuted? And when you go and look, it's feck all, to be honest with you. So this, 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 you know, this is a, a scenario again where I wonder. Just come back to that point. I'm interested. You said in your um, news agents, Keegan's, you always look for ID. Did you not yep. sell them to youngsters under 18? No, never did. Never did. But you could have. I mean, you could have. I mean, I've showed it myself. I, yeah. I, I completely, it is a nicotine-based product. There's mm. no way. I've always regarded it as a tobacco product. Um, but so up to this, up to this, just just it. just clarify that point to me. Up to yes. this, you could have sold them to under-18s without True. breaking the law. Yes. 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 But you took a principal stand. You said it's 18, it's nicotine, that's it. Yeah, we actually take a stand that if anyone looks under the age of 21 or younger, we ask for ID. That's the policy in, in okay. our store. Okay, okay. <laughs> Very yeah. good and good on you for that. But come back to the point, you know, obviously then again you have this situation and, and you know it yourself. Somebody goes into you, they're over 18, they buy, they go down the street and they load them off to whatever age, youngster, you know, under 18 years of age. How do you curb that? I, I, I honestly don't know on, on that front, Jerry. I mean, the same applies for drinks. Should they do yeah, yeah. As well, it's, it's across the board. Mm. Um, the concern we would have as a, as a retailer I would have is that that um, by bringing regulations is great, but they need to follow through as regards policing it and that the black market doesn't develop, that it isn't just pushing it underground. Mm. Because that's what happened with tobacco. Like 20 years ago, the um, retailers asked the government to police and regulate tobacco. Mm. And now 30% of all tobacco products are uh, non-duty paid. In other words, they're illegally imported. Mm. 30% of the actual cigarettes smoked in this country are illegal tobacco, and and it's a good worrying. It's a worrying trend, mm. and um, it's just the amount of money lost to the exchequer. Um, you talk about 
you know, the side effects and so forth, like the cost of, of um, tobacco and the, and the side of health effects to, the, to society. But the 30% of all tobacco consumed, and that's, that's a fact, um, is non-Irish duty-paid products. Mm. And, 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 and is, that, is that purely because of the cost of the, let's say, the mainstream yes. products? It's been driven, underground people can't afford to pay the price that it costs to go into you and buy them across the counter, so they go for the cheaper uh, illegal stuff. Of course, and that's what's happening, yeah. I mean, they've, they, they've raised the excise duty on it year after year, budget after budget, which is right, and so on, and they say that it, you know, it's needed to contribute because of the um, health effects, side effects to society, and, and the government spending that money and c- catering for that. But it, all it's doing is driving it underground, and you've got the likes of um, you know, the black market, um, paramilitaries, etc., gangs that are taking full advantage of it, and importing huge amounts. So you, two or three times a year you hear of huge seizures in ports, and that's only the stuff that's been stopped. Um, and it's crazy. It mm. needs to be policed properly. I mean, it is a legal product. I'm, I'm talking about bringing general terms. I mean, the same. Yeah. Way, I'm just scared that vaping will, as the same thing will happen. You know, mm. just be driven underground. And and you say it's the wild west out there at the minute. Anyone can Completely. get up and sell, and there's no regulation there. You you believe that needs to be looked at too? Yes. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Mm. Um, and it, it is a legal product. It's for adults. And um, there is a market. There's a huge demand for it. There's no question about that. But do it through licensed um, uh, tobacconists, news agents. I'm a traditional news agent, so it's um, it's kind of one of the main um, foundations of 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 of, of our of our game. Um, and vaping has come on to that, um, but it does need to be policed and and regulated and monitored. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's again back to the whole thing, yeah, of you know resources and. Uh, yeah. Nailing this down, as I mentioned a few moments ago as well, that's w- what I just wonder about. And it's all right bringing in laws, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you and know, policing yeah, and enforcing yeah. them and all that type of thing uh, certainly yeah. comes to mind. In in terms of your business and, and vaping in general, the demand, you know, John was telling me there, you know, in the school, there is an element of demand. And I suppose mm-hmm. to put a figure, what, what do you see? Is, is it big with young people vaping? I wouldn't say it's big specifically with young people per se. But again, you know, they know they can't get it in our store. So I can't really judge that. Yeah. Per se. But I can tell you it's across the board and, and people without question are using it to get off cigarettes. Mm. I mean, you only have to look at the NHS in England. They're, they encourage, if you're a heavy smoker, go to vaping. That's what they're pushing towards. Now, I know the verdict is still out as regards the health yes. implications, mm-hmm. but the NHS is, is um, advocating go to vaping if, you're, if, if you have a, a nicotine habit mm-hmm. and, and wean yourself off. And, and it does allow for that in the sense of the different strengths of, tobacco, of the nicotine levels. So you've got you know, the highest nicotine um, strength in it is 18 and it comes back to 12, 6, 3 and 0. So you can if you get into the habit of vaping or whatever you can wean yourself off the nicotine by doing that. Mm. You know? So it, it is beneficial I would imagine. Yeah. Like I say I know the verdict is out and there's different scares as, as regards um, the long term side effects but I think um, the EU do control these products they are they are it, it, everyone's saying it's kind of a free-for-all. Nothing is allowed to be sold within the EU unless it's passed mm. certain tests. Yes. You know? So it is regulated to some extent. Yes, and on, on the legal side of things. Philip, listen, thank you for joining us. I do appreciate your My viewpoint pleasure. from the news agent's uh, perspective. Thank you.
Thanks, sir. Bye. Take care. That's Philip Keegan there from Keegan's News Agents in Carrick Macross. If you have a, a an idea about, you know, this whole area of how to you know police it control it it's look it's 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 a minefield isn't it really anyway they'll all be in in july no uh, selling to under 18s i'm sure there'll be severe fines around that etc 086-1800-658 by whatsapp or text gets us on the show with your messages we're eating snails in a wee rile on late lunch. We are. We're trying less escargot on the show today. Don't miss that. Hang around, will you? We'll be back in a couple of minutes. So, Louise, you never told me or told them, and people have been asking me, it reminded me about it the last couple of Getting days. nervous now. How was your spuds? Oh, they were lovely. I forgot to tell you, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> you did, of course, forget to tell me. They, well, you know my track record with cooking, so I refused to leave... Um, the the cooker while they were on. Yeah, I refused and I put them down and so they came out absolutely perfect. And um, I put I even put salt in the water like bef- as yes. I was told for. I put them in, and then I added lovely white pepper and I even put the dreaded full fat butter on it. They were excellent, divine, excellent, excellent, mm. and That's, a little bit of wire sauce. Oh listen, you <laughs> you had to put the lemon brown sauce. In it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I have Just to say, one. Duke of York are. A Gorgeous, gorgeous mm-hmm. potato. Anyway, well done on your first ever crop of spuds. And update on the bees. Own collected the bees this morning. Very early, I believe. 6am. Oh, wow. He was there. 6am. I was up at 5. to catch them before they were awake? Yes, wanted to get them, you see. Really? Be- yeah, because you see, they stay in the hive and they don't go out until the temperature comes up a little. They, they can't tolerate cold temperatures. Now, oh. it's not that cold these mornings, I know. But there was no activity around the temporary hive and he just arrived and took it, took it away. And they're gone to a new home now more than two miles away from my place because if it wasn't they'd home back to my back oh. garden has to be beyond two miles so he's away with them and he told me early how do they know what to not mind? oh it's it's just it's, it's just, the just and I know magic them. it's just nature mm, it for magic. you it is magic and you know what he was telling me he was up from four and over RD way to pick up a swarm oh. this morning you know it just shows you uh, bees He'd are probably swarming be asleep now oh, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> Doing a little bit of that myself at the minute, but you just can't. I have to keep going till half three at least. But uh, yeah, anyway, my bees are on the way. Oh God, we'll all be paying more for our petrol and diesel from midnight tonight. Petrol up six cents a litre and diesel five. The government are clawing back. Do you remember they mm. reduced the uh, duty on um, the excise duty on the fuel? First phase of clawing it back. I think there's at least one or two more phases to come. So fuel going up again from midnight. As fill her up the, on the way home. So yes, if you can before midnight, get in there and fill your tank up for sure. Anyway, we'll be filling our tanks, you and me, shortly. We will keep yeah. you awake, Jerry. With escargot, loads of protein. To yes, keep you awake. we are going to taste Peter Monaghan's escargot on late lunch. Freshly cooked here after two o'clock we'll on the show. We Don't be miss very that. <laughs> uh, you, you, I'm looking forward to you having these snails for sure. <laughs> anyway, it news. Might be. <laughs> news <laughs> and weather on the way at, at two o'clock. And don't slip away, you, anywhere. Stay with us to see how we fare out. You know. 
know how I adore my food. I really do. I love me grub. I have to say it's just something. It's always been like that from being a little fella. But I, I will say to you that escargot has never been on my radar. I remember tasting them a few years back on this show. Myself and Seamus Farley, I think we were in trim at the time. And they were preserved in brine. But today, I'm assured, I'm going to get a whole new side of escargot I haven't ever realised has been there and is there for so many people across the world. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this afternoon Peter Monaghan from Inish Escargo. Peter, you're welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks very much for having me, Jerry. Come in a little closer to that mic there for me, will you please? You've been out in the reception area there, busy cooking. Busy cooking, frying up some fresh snails that we've um, we've picked from our own uh, farm here in County Calvin. Um, all our snails would be fresh at the moment where we would sell... Um, throughout Ireland here and also into London and, and parts of Europe. Um, all our sales, snails are fresh at the moment, but we're hoping to uh, bring some value to our snails with um, maybe a small little processing unit now on our farm in the next uh, six months. We have got planner permission through and stuff like that. So um, something we are... Um, something where we have great hopes mm. for and great progression for now. So besides the fresh guys, you'll be able to preserve them as yeah, such? Yeah, I, I feel it's really important. A lot of our snails up until maybe last year would have all been shipped out to Greece and European countries to get processed um, you know we, we would have a, a, a wholesale price which I, I never frown upon it's something that got me on my feet mm. uh, while I was learning about snails over the space of six seven years a wholesale price maybe a four euro four fifty up to five euros a kilo um, it is it, it, it it's it's a fantastic facility I do believe it's a fantastic facility but when you see what you will get for processed snails, mm. um, anything from thirty-five euro up to a hundred euros uh, per kilo, like, what a difference! You need to. I feel you need to be there. Yeah. Um, Aside from the snails, caviar is something that we're really hoping to get into. Um, something that I'm very, very interested in, mm. and. Uh, I would really hope to break a lot of ground on that now in the next twelve months. So that's for the future. You are a farmer by profession. Yeah, well, yeah, we always had a suckler farm. Yes. Um, it was always around about 20 cows. So uh, um, it's something I always had a great passion for. Um, way back in 2006, unfortunately, our, our dad passed away and um, I was the eldest at, at 21 with three younger brothers, old, the youngest being one. And, uh, you know, at the time, you know, we, I suppose I thought I, I knew the, uh, everything about the, the suckler farm, but um, unfortunately not. Mm. Um Look, at, I gained my experience and uh, kept going with the sucklers, uh, but I could never seem to... Um, like you, co- you come to the realisation with a suckler farm, it's it's not viable really for a full-time yes. wage, OK? Yes. So um, I've, I've always really been looking at something to run alongside the sucklers. And how did you get into snails? Um, I came across it back in 2011, 2012. Yeah. And in around, I suppose, 2013, 2014 is when I really started to take it seriously. OK and really started to break ground on my research. I would have done a lot of research, Jerry, before I spent any money mm. on, on mm. snail farming, which I, I do believe has been key to the su- success of Inch Descargo. Um, so um, since then, it's, 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 been, it's, been, uh, it's been good. It has been yes. really, really good. Yeah. Tell me this. Uh, how many snails would you reckon you have on your farm at this point in time? We would have, out of our breeding room, there came about 3 million snails. Okay. Um, we don't keep all them for ourselves. We, we keep about... 1 million snails for ourselves which would equate to about uh, if you base it on an 8 to a 12 gram snail you should be talking anything from 8 to 10 10 11 tons okay 
That's a lot of snails. Yeah, a lot of snails. Isn't it? It's, it's a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. So it's it a is. lot of work, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, you've been out, as I said there, in re- in reception. Uh, uh, you've been out in reception uh, cooking up snails yeah. for us. You know what I mean? I don't think and he's, he's wouldn't let me into the kitchen. I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, uh, reception was good. Ah, uh, yes, good. yes. You have snails. Some snails cooked there, sitting beside you. I do, fresh from the farm. Um, something I'm, I'm I'm quite proud of. Um, we've put a lot of work into these snails. The snails you see here at the moment are actually. Um, they're born, bred, reared on our farm. So uh, something I'm, I'm really, really proud of and I'm looking forward. I, I, I always look forward to, I suppose, getting people to, to taste our snails. Um, I'm going to give you one here now in a small cupcake tin. Louise, as this was Louise's idea, Louise is going to... She's going to have one, one now well. in a minute. She's actually doing, she's on camera work here at the yeah. minute. So this snail I'm going to eat here. Look, here he is. Look, folks, there he is. There's my snail. Look at him. Uh, I'm going to taste him now. Tell us how you prepared him. Um... I would have harvested these snails September, October last year, okay? Yeah. And um, when I harvest them, I bring them into our uh, special polytunnels where we would purge our snails. So that's a complete cleansing of our snail. Yes. Now, keep in mind when you're eating our snail, our snails are under a complete controlled diet. So from yeah. start to finish, our snails are on vegetation. We will give them and on special food, organic food we give them. Okay. So we know exactly what all these snails have eaten. That's very, very important when people, I suppose, think of a snail, they think, mm, oh, I'm not sure about that. But the thing about a snail is, you know, it, I can almost guarantee, is an awful lot healthier than most foods people will be eating and in every day. You look at shellfish, when shellfish first came to Ireland, mm. you know, the way we used to look at that, um, I can see snails being no different. The only difference I will, will, I will say is... Um, the nutritional values of a snail. Okay, um, and this is not your common or garden snail. This is our Irish brown garden snail. Okay. Okay. So this yes. is the Helix's bush and muller snail. Okay. Yes. This husband's born the name. <laughs> um, um, the Helix's bush and muller snail. So believe it or not, this is the native snail of Ireland. Okay. And one, and, and one of the most popular snails in Europe. In Europe. So mm. this is what they eat in French. You know, French yeah. is synonymous with yes, escargot. Exactly. This is the snail they eat there. Yeah. Now, in reception, you've been out there. As you said, we wouldn't let you cook them in here. What is it? Butter? Garlic? It's, it's actually just a small bit of garlic butter. I didn't want to spoil them with yeah. batter and, and, okay. and breadcrumb and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it, it'd be easy for me to go and do that. Put them okay. in a heap of batter and say, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's taste the raw product. Here we go. In the gum. You should be getting the full taste of the of the, the snail there. Gorgeous. Give me another one. Yeah, there you go. Gorgeous. And that's lovely it. texture. I was afraid of my life. Lovely there texture. You told me um No, lovely texture. Very tasty. Here, give me that flip. Very, very tasty. Let me go. Here we go. Number two. Oh, I have to say it's beautiful. I'm really I, surprised. I, 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 I'm now. beautiful. Yeah. Good. Well, I honestly say that here. That's I'd good. Go again. No problem. I'm surprised you're saying that because you did tell me you weren't too keen on them before. So I'm. I'm delighted to. Hear I take that. it back. I'm delighted. Now, Earl Louise, swap hands there, Louise. Give me that there. I hand that over to me. Now, there. Look at. I. I blanched them this morning and yep. took them from the shells. They're completely natural. They're fried up in a very, very small bit of butter. Mm. Um. So you're getting the full, authentic taste of our Irish brown. Okay, Louise. Will you have a go? Oh yeah. All right, good, Annie. I've come a lot more slimy things in my life on two <laughs> legs. hands are shaking there, Louise. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm delighted you like them, now, Jerry. I adore them. Louise? Mm. Nice? Mm. How would you describe the texture, Louise? They're chewy. 
They yeah. are chewy. They do taste like something. They put me in mind of something. Can I have another one? Mushroom. Yeah. Mushroom. Mushroom. I, I feel like they mushroom. have the texture mushroom. of a mushroom. They do. Yeah. I don't need any. I'm well, not, well, I'm well not, there you go. Not fancy. I, I, I mushroom think is right. Yeah. 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 A little bit chewier though, isn't it? It, it is a small Tiny bit chewy, but yeah. it, it, it all depends again on how you cook them up. If you mm. if you like yeah. cook them overnight, they're probably going to be and an the awful garlic, more tender. The smell is beautiful. And if you cook them overnight, I find you, a lot of the taste and goodness comes out of the, 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 the yeah. snail. So I, I tend to just boil them twice, five mm. minutes, five minutes, and a pre-boil then just before I cook them. And you're getting all that uh, nutrition value still packed into the snail. There is one part of it that's chewier than the rest. Mm. A small one? bit. That's just... As, what am I we call that the yeah. We call that basically the outer layer of the, of the snail. Okay. Um, his head is look at him. He, he's been well prepared. He's been well prepared. Um, but look, I'll absorb his brains. Yeah, Peter Monaghan, I'm going to tell you, lovely. you've got the thumbs up from both of us here today. Like Louise looked for a second one there straight away. Here, give me another one. I have one more. Uh, I'd say though the gar like when you arrive in and the smell of the here, garlic just butter just pick them kind of entices you anyway. It if there was no. Garlic mm. butter smell, it'd be kind of, I'd say, more mm. trepid. We're part of Created in Calvin, um, a group there in uh, County Calvin. A fantastic, fantastic group. They've been so helpful to myself. Cottage Market in Calvin are also a little group that um, mm. work alongside Created in Calvin. But they were, um, I don't want to say haunting us, but they really, really insisted that we, we, we attend the markets in Calvin. Um, I was really afraid because obviously we're, we're, we're you know, we're going to our, our, our local um, town and uh, we're, we're serving snails. We're not serving bacon. We're not serving chicken. <laughs> yes. We're serving snails. And I was a bit nervous of the feedback we might get from that. Mm. Um, so we eventually went to Christmas and the feedback we got, um, we served about 1300 portions. And I think two people out of those 1300 weren't keen on the snail. I was blown away. And that's the exact same where they were cooked. The way well, they were you've, you've got the similar reaction mm. today. And Louise, let me tell you, because you, who um, always uh, keeps a good eye on uh, the intake of your calories, let me tell you that they're low in calories and fat. Uh, they're rich in iron and other minerals and they have a unique taste. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Happy with that. They are fab. Yeah, yeah they gorgeous. really are. They really are, Peter. They're fabulous. They're but if fantastic. they were on a menu now in a restaurant, I would order them. Yes, and I would too. They're on, uh, believe it or not, Richard Corrigan actually named an omelette after myself in the Park Cafe in Dublin, Peter's Omelette, um, where he has them there. And it's, it's, it's actually, it actually got dished of the year 2022. So, uh, so yeah, like, blown away by that. Would uh, it taste like an omelette with, as you say, mushrooms does, yeah. through it? Yes. Rather than... Look, mm, we've always it? cooked omelettes there at home on the farm and stuff. You have never, I've never, I'm not just saying this now because our snails are on it, but I've never tasted an omelette like I've yeah. tasted the one it, at the park. It, 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 it would add immensely, yeah. I would say yeah. that, to really an omelette as well. So Richard Corrigan, there you go, and uh, selected as, uh, what did it win, 2022? The 2022, um, Cathy McGuinness's uh, Dish of the Year. There you go. So, again, tell me the numbers you have on the farm. How many million? We would have about a million on the farm, but it's probably three point, but about between 2.5 and 3 million this year. And do you rear them yourself or do you buy them in as babies or no. what? We would have bought our initial batch back in 2016 in as as juveniles. Yes. Um, buying them every year would not be realistic okay. because the money would be gone. So you I, breed? I would breed every year. And do you supply anyone else? With I would. We, we supply approximately seven or eight farms uh, between Ireland and the UK at the moment with, juvenil, with, with juveniles. With juvenile snails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, cooking them, garlic butter, the butter, any other way you like to see them? The omelette you mentioned pizza. as well? Pizza, they're actually quite nice on a pizza. Are they? Yeah. 
and look at it. Escargot pizza. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. every time you just think yeah. mushroom. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but the, the, the nutritional benefits you're getting from the snail, if I can talk about the protein element of it, um, from a 10 gram snail, you're getting 12.9% protein. If we can compare that to a boiled egg, which I used to eat tons of them mm. uh, after football mm. trainings, you're only getting 13% from the boiled egg. So a tiny, you see the tiny little portion yeah. you're getting there? 12.9% uh, protein. Excellent. Is. How long does it take to rear them? What age are those snails that we're eating there? They're nine months old. That's all? That's all. So it's a quick it's, turnover. It is a quick turnover, but quite an intensive turnover. Yes. Okay. What do you feed them on? Um, I feed them on a high calcium diet, high protein diet, and I also feed them on natural natural vegetation, which would be a forage rip. There are different yes. species of forage rip. The one I like to use is, is a Stego forage rip, um, but all completely natural and all, all organic. Do you feel it's taken root, if I could use those words? You know, that people, like, you've surprised us today. You've more than surprised us today. Is this what you need? You need more of this yeah. to really, for escargot to take a foothold in Ireland? I do believe that is, um, that's the way to go. Uh, it's not going to be easy on my own. Mm. Um, look, I suppose the Irish market was never something that I was going to focus on, on too much. The, the European market is so huge. Um, but, you know, I suppose with the help of Created in Cavan and now the cottage market, it has really opened my eyes up to the market that I feel is actually readily available here, albeit not a huge market. Mm. But we got to start somewhere. Mm. OK, so I, I believe if we got maybe a foothold there and start to see it pop up in towns here, there uh, throughout um, Ireland, maybe start with the tourist attractions. I, I, I do feel it will grow. Mm. Did you want to ask something there? I was just wondering, might be a silly question. Do they have shells? Yeah. What happens to shells? I'll show Do you they, outside. I, I, like, they nutrients in the yeah, shells we, we, well? could, we could break them down. They're, they actually are used for protein. Um, they're used for numerous other things. Now I could talk about that for, for the next three hours. But <laughs> primarily, they were, what I would hope to do with them now, if we can start keeping our, 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 our snails here, unfortunately, all our snails will go out to Europe. Transporting the shells back, which are actually ours and we're, we're entitled to bring them back, it's not realistic um, when you take transport costs in. Mm. But if you take, for example, myself and Jerry were to process for five or six tonne of snails here and we, we had our empty shells, what I would do is I would wash those shells down, break them down, and I would actually sell them into, into horticulture or garden centres. Yes. Natural lime again, and yeah. there's nothing being wasted. There's literally nothing being wasted. If you take the, the snail poo, which we, we have never gathered, but we could gather when we take the snails from the field. Mm. That's actually used in beauty products and cosmetics mm. and face masks. Actually, uh, Pat's been on, or uh, Paul, uh, Paul uh, Pat's been on here, should I say, uh, to uh, say about that, that very thing, about the beauty, uh, the moisturising yeah. cream and that. It's used. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Didn't that? Huge. Uh, it's mm. something we're hoping to bring to market now in the next six months, mm. which will be the snail slime also. Um, the yeah. snail slime, believe it or not, is... is one of the number one cures for uh, shingles, eczema, dermatitis, uh, psoriasis, really? all those different things. The results you will get from using snail slime. Amazing, is amazing the versatility uh, that uh, comes from one yeah. tiny little tiny, creature. Yeah, really no waste. Is it labour intensive? Very labour intensive. Mm. Um, but I must say, when I got into it, um, when I visited a lot of farms before I started snail farming, I, I got quite, I got kind of excited because I felt there was a lot of labour that could be taken out of this, uh, the process. Yes. Believe it or believe it not, we've taken up to 80% labour out of some of the processes. Mm. Um, you could average maybe 50% throughout the whole process. Um, but it is very, very manageable now. You wouldn't believe when the snails go to the fields now in the last couple of weeks until they're harvested in, in middle of August, we'll say. Yeah. You don't have a lot to do. Your snails mm. are in the field. You're feeding them. Uh, so they're actually a in a field. They're in a field. But you have a barrier yeah, around barriers it. Barriers with fences, electric that fences. That they can't get out. They can't get out. <laughs> they are electric fences you know, for snails. Electric fences. I never and thought I'd hear that. I'll talk to all the farmers, um, cattle farmers. If you think uh, the, the cattle fences and sheep fences are hardship, um, you try and fix a snail fence. Mm. Um, and snails are breaking out everywhere. People <laughs> laugh at me when they say they don't move too fast. But if you have 10, 20, 30,000 snails moving at a metre an hour. And they find a gap. Yeah. They're away. They're gone. They're gone yeah. And me. they are as usual. There you are. <laughs> they're in the fields. They're feeding away there at this time yeah. of the year. Yeah. And uh, they're kept in by electric fences as well. Many parallels with farming. Yeah. Listen, it's been great to meet you today. Pleasure. I love them. Pleasure. And you heard Pleasure. Louise as well. You know, yeah. uh, really enjoyed the escargot. If people want to find out more about you, how do they do? If there's somebody listening today would like to explore the possibilities, how? To explore the possibilities, I would always um, say, look, do your research and maybe get your advice from professionals. Mm. At the moment, we run on-farm training courses okay. and, and virtual training courses. Great. You'll find them on inishescargo.ie or uh, you can send us an email at info at Yes, or if you're in the restaurant trade or this rings a bell with you, Innis Escargo, that's I-N-I-S E-S-C-A-R-G-O-T dot I-E all the information there. It's been eye-opening, fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Peter. I wish you well. It was an absolute pleasure, Jerry. Thank you very much. Stereophonics. And we're having a lovely day. I hope you are too listening to us in late lunch land. Oh my word. I am a convert. I am a fan of escargot. What about you, Louise? Yummy. I was so surprised. Oh, they yeah, were thought, just gorgeous. Oh, fab. Gorgeous. Well done, Peter. Innes Escargot. Check them out. They were just beautiful. They really were, I have to say. I'm more than surprised. There you are. I can, Left you wanting more. Oh, yes, I can tick that off my list and say, there you go. I'm an Escargot uh, devotee. Now, I love them. I really did love them. They were beautiful. Hey, Louise. What about Al? Al Pacino. Do you remember a few weeks ago we were talking about Robert De Niro? Yeah. Uh, he, he was Being revealed in an interview he was going to be a dad again at mm. 79. But you see, the obviously the rivalry with De Niro and Pacino has entered <laughs> the daddy stakes as no well. Way. Al Pacino has confirmed that at 83 years of age, 
he and his partner, Nur Al-Fala, she's only 29, oh. are expecting their first child together. Oh, it's love, Louise. Oh, mm. Listen, it's love. No, no, Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? That's the song there, isn't it? That is the most appropriate song. Holy God. I have no words. 83. Yeah. 29. 29. No. What would they have in common? In the name of God. They're going to have a child in common now. That is for sure. Anyway, Pacino couldn't be outdone by De Niro. There's always the great rivalry there. He just had to go and do it. Isn't it amazing? Huh? With men. 83. Yeah. And 79. And the poor women. Grow up. It's all over what? In the 40s. For most. Yeah. Isn't that so unfair? Uh, Really? You know. uh Mrs. Thrown Bennett. aside, you know. Yeah, Mrs. Bennett, uh, me old neighbour used to say. Odd. Should the men can father children forever? The poor women, not a chance. There you go. Somebody said, could be right, I don't know, we may talk about it again. Men do age gracefully, mm. women get old. Oh, what do you think? Don't say that. No, think about it. Come back to me. We're going to come back to that, I promise you, on late lunch. But next up on the show, I'm delighted she's joining me from the first day I met her. I said, that lady is talented and my God, is she. Her latest book, No One Saw a Thing, it's a smash hit. Andrea Mara is with us next. It's our book of the month on Late Lunch. No One Saw a Thing by Andrea Mara, as selected by Irene Gahan here on the show just last Friday. She was waxing lyrical about it and I'm delighted to say the author joins me on the show. Andrea, congratulations. Welcome back. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. I just want to read. I've been looking at the, the book and the reviews and all the reactions since it was published. But I've got to read this one for, for listeners because I think this really uh, sums it up. It says, no one saw a thing. You will look hard to find a more searing opening 15 pages of a thriller this year or any year, uh, says one of the reviews. That is some kudos. You must be thrilled with the way the book has been received. Oh, I'm absolutely delighted. Like, you never know what way it's going to go with any given book, no matter what the book is about or what the cover looks like or what the marketing is like. You just don't know. There's a little bit of magic that is needed, I think. And we we were just, we got the magic this time. I just found out an hour ago that it's the number one bestseller in Ireland this year, this week, this yay, year, that would be this week. And I'm thrilled for you too. I really am because I mean that from the first time I met you with the first book going back to 2017 and subsequently I've always known that you have something really, really special. And my God, that is one great uh, accolade. Number one in the bestsellers in Ireland. And also, I saw you riding high in the UK. Tell me about that chart over there. Yeah, so um, the hardback chart, so obviously UK is bigger market and, you know, of course you have to sell a lot more books to chart over there. Um, but it did get into number 15 in the UK hardback charts last week. So I was Terrific. like absolutely delighted with that. I'm thrilled with all of it, with how it's going. Now, tell us, we reviewed the book here last Friday uh, with Irene and, uh, you know, it is gripping from start to finish. She says, you just could not put this book down. She read it right through. She couldn't leave it away. Where did you come up with the concept? And just to remind listeners, it is about a mammy with her three children trying to board uh, a train in London. The two wee girls go ahead, jump on the train. The doors close and she's left on the platform with the little boy and the girls go on to 
to the next station and ultimately when she gets there, there's only one girl there, not two. Where, pray God, did you come up with this? So it's something that happened when I was a child myself. I was on holidays with my family in England and we went to London for a day. And myself, now I was older than the characters in the book. I was 12 mm. and my sister was six and we got on the tube and the doors closed. So my parents and our other two sisters were still on the platform and the tube took off. And like, I actually don't remember a whole lot about it. I don't know if I just went into panic mode or what, but apparently my dad shouted Tower Bridge through the doors that closed doors and we didn't hear or understand but another passenger beside us said your dad's telling you to get off at Tower Bridge so that's what we did and I was asking my dad about it Um, it came up again a couple of years ago which is what prompted me to turn it into a book then and I was saying oh and did the other passengers get off the tube and wait with us and he was like not at all they just put you off the train and off they went but I mean it was the 80s so I suppose um, things were a little different back mm. then it'd be like today somebody would have waited with us but mm. I'm sure we were grand it all worked out <laughs> if only they were grand and no one saw a thing it would be a different story but look uh, the, the, the central character is uh, journalist Sive Sullivan uh, and her husband you know and he's been working in London back home she's just gone over to London for, for a visit um, you know <sighs> There's a lot more in this book than just what I've described now. There's a lot of other stuff running along there. But regret, that word regret, that woman, Sive Sullivan, you know, when this happens, running through your mind, if only I hadn't, if I had. You know what I'm talking about? That is the Mm. grip, isn't it? That's the suspense. That is the, the whole hook of the book. Yeah. And like, I suppose it, all of us have it from time to time. If we go, oh, no, I should have done this yeah. differently or only I hadn't done that. So it's it's all that like if only she hadn't tried to decline a call from her editor as she was approaching the tube or if mm. only she had brought the baby carrier instead of the pram. And I'm sure we've all had that experience where something goes wrong and you think, oh, no, if I had just stayed home that day or if I, you know, hadn't taken the car, I wouldn't have had the puncture, whatever the case may be. But I think, you know, in life, I remember doing a course one time and the course facilitator was like, never let yourself say I should have, because she's just like, you didn't. So you can't live with I should have, I should have and the if onlys. You just have to accept that you didn't do it and move on, which I try to think about, but it's not always was easy. <laughs> Should have, could have, would have. Tell me about it at times in my own life. But look at it, to develop, you know, you, you say you go back and you dip into your own life, which you have with some of the other books as well. Um, but to develop it on and bring it right through, and I don't want to give any more away. I just want people to get this book and absolutely do what uh, most who are reading it <laughs> do. Uh, not stop from start to finish. To develop it through as a story to to the end, the challenge in that, you know, how does that come to you? You know what I mean? Had you that picture in your mind of how you had the beginning, um, but the conclusion? So at the the start, I only had the beginning, the premise. So like if a child went missing, why does the child go missing? Where is the child? What's it all about? So I had to, that's the time consuming part. So I probably spent a good two months poring over that, trying to figure out 
why the child went missing, what age the child is, did someone take her, what's, you know, what's going on. And for me, that's the long part, the plotting it out, the thinking mm. about all of that. Other people um, do it differently. They would have the premise and they would just start writing and see where it goes. But yeah, we're just all different. I need to know why the child went missing because I would be afraid I would meander along writing a story about a missing child and then get to the end and go, I don't know where the child is or who took the child. So mm. I had to work all of that out in advance. And of course, a parallel to that, it is a reunion happening and there are people that uh, this woman, Sive Sullivan, is meeting for the first time that her husband worked with in London and there's a, an undercurrent and plot there running in parallel. To knit those together, you know what I mean? That That's the skill, isn't it? To bring you know them together and it's cohesive and makes sense to the reader. Yeah, and like that's also the the really enjoyable part because I was I, I needed to have these side characters who are you know slightly exaggerated versions. So, you know, your main character probably needs to be a normal relatable person that readers can believe in and root for, but you can have fun with your side characters and make them a bit more extreme and a bit, you know, the kind of people would send me messages going, oh my God, your character, Nita, she is such a terrible person. I can't stand her. And I love that because she's fictional, but it's, you know, people are like, oh my God, she's so annoying. And so I, I find that the fun part. And I was conscious too that um, it would be hard to write and hard to read a story that was just 100% set in the present moment where mm. the child is missing and you're inside Sive's head the whole time because you're not, you can't even get to know Sive in that scenario if all she's thinking is, where's my child? Where's my child? So I had to put in chapters from, say, three days earlier, two days earlier, so you can get to know the main characters in their normal everyday life before the child goes missing. Otherwise, I think it, it's just probably too intense to have mm. the entire book about the, the search for the child. It works seamlessly, may I say. You don't uh, distract at all from the, the the main theme of the book. It, it, it segues wonderfully. I have to say that to you, having read it myself. Do you know what? Do you feel this? And I feel it, which, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way. You're getting better and better and better. <laughs> well, hopefully. I suppose you'd always hope. And the thing about writing is it isn't an upwards only trajectory. Like you can have a book that has that bit of magic that I mentioned earlier where things just take off. But it doesn't mean that will happen with every book and you just can't take it for granted. So you have to try for each book to be better than the last one, because like with any job, you want to keep improving. But you also can't assume that just because you've written what you think or hope is a better book, that it will necessarily do better than the previous book. You just have to keep trying. Mm. The Other Side of the Wall was the first one. One click, followed by The Sleeper Lies, All Her Fault, Hide and Seek, and then, of course, this one now. No one saw a thing. You mentioned the bestsellers there. I, I always go for them in the papers when I get them, especially my weekend reads as well. And I'm always thrilled when I see somebody I know and I've interviewed that the, you're in there, in the bestsellers, in and among them. Does it do that for you when you see it? Oh, yeah. Like there's there's nothing like it. I mean, I would never really know how much attention the wider public and readership would pay to the bestseller charts, but authors look at it a lot. <laughs> and you know what? Absolutely gorgeous. And on any given week, it's 
chock full of Irish writers, which is mm. lovely. Like Liz Nugent's been in there yes. for weeks and weeks now with Strange Sally Diamond, which is a brilliant book. And Joe Spain's Don't Look Back is in there as well, which is also brilliant. And like, you know, on any given week, there are loads of Irish writers. And in particular, you'll always see the Irish crime writing women are in there. And, and that's fabulous. I love seeing that. Why are Irish women so good when it comes to crime, Andrea? <laughs> it's it's a question that's asked a lot and I hear lots of different answers from different crime writers and I think they're all a little bit true like a lot of people would say that um you know back through the years when women didn't always have the freedoms that they have today um that that's sort of built up a, a kind of a a breakthrough period now where women are able to write about anything and everything they want to write about. I think there's, you know, women tend towards um, psychological suspense and domestic noir more so than kind of the action hero or the serial killer style book. And I think we we do spend a lot of time thinking about things that could go wrong. You know, you're thinking about walking home on a dark night um, in a way that men don't always have to think about is, you know, do I need to worry about walking home on this dark night so we probably you know we worry about our children going missing um i I would say i'm someone who worries a lot about you know things happening to my kids and my husband maybe doesn't worry about that so much because he's not an overthinker and a worrier the way i am so that's part of it i think that we worry more so it's rather than spending all our time worrying it we may as well channel it into books and (laughs) sell some books <laughs> the public do look at those lists, by the way, just to reassure you. It's not just ye, the authors that look at them as well. <laughs> but maybe I'm a nerd. I don't know. No, I'm sure people do look at them because they look at them from gui- for guidance as well as to where they should go with their reading. But you are so right uh, to see all the Irish writers in there is is a joy indeed. So here you are, top of the pile and uh, working on something else. I always ask you this. You must have another project on the go, have you? I do indeed. I'm right now uh, taking a short break uh, to do this chat from my edits on next year's book. So, um, yeah, that's I think the the blurb and stuff is all coming very soon and there will be a title reveal soon. And all I can say is it's about an attic. Oh, we can't (laughs) wait. We can't wait. I am so delighted for you. I really am. I'm thrilled for you. And the book is brilliant. I have to say to listeners today, it's brilliant. It's our book of the month. I've read it. I highly recommend it. I have a copy to give away in a moment to one of you out there. And a very tough question indeed. Not at all. How would I ask a tough question? Mr. Softy himself. Andrea Mara. No one saw a thing. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much for taking time to join me again. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Andrea Mara there. Would you like a copy of her book? I'll give you the question after this short break. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands when you order your all-new 232 Renault Megane E-Tech today and drive off with an electric vehicle bonus and SEAI grant. See blackstonemotors.ie. At House of Murphy Dundalk, we have the right piece of furniture for every room in your house. Call in and see our extensive range of beds, slide ropes, dining, living room, sofas, unique brands and much more. Plus, we offer free delivery and assembly. See for yourself. Call today to House of Murphy, Church Street, Dundalk. The House of Murphy. 
Summer Evening Racing at Ferry House on Thursday the 1st of June, Friday 9th and 16th of June, and Wednesday July 12th. Top class flat racing, barbecue, live music, and guaranteed electrifying atmosphere. Grill and Chill Summer Barbecue, just €59 per person, including admission, barbecue, drink, race card, betting voucher, shared table, and live music. Book now at ferryhouse.ie. Gather a group and come racing. Ah, what could be better than a weekend? A bank holiday weekend. And there's one coming up very soon. So how will you make the most of it? Family picnic, break out the barbecue and invite a few friends round. Maybe just chill at home. Whatever you decide, stock up first on all your entertaining essentials with a visit to the Keys Newry. You'll find we've got great brands, great value and great choice. In fact, everything you need for a bigger, better bank holiday weekend. Sailing out of port with Steneline. Sarah thinks this is travel how it ought to be. Bob's more like, lounger with a view? Check. Glass of something chill? Check. I'm not budging till we get to the other side. And Charlie settling down in her cabin for a wee snooze, thanks. From dedicated pet cabins to comfy lounges. Start your summer with Steneline. Lavi GAA presents Summer Carnival 2023. Three nights of the very best in Irish country music with some of Ireland's biggest stars at the Virginia Show Centre County Cabin. Friday, June 16th, Robert Mazel and Mike Denver. Saturday, June 17th, Rhythm and Sticks and Tumbling Paddies. And on Sunday, June 18th, Patrick Feeney and Johnny Brady. It's an unmissable weekend of great music and dancing. Lavi GAA Summer Carnival at Virginia Show Centre. Friday, June 16th, to Sunday 18th. Tickets €25, weekend pass €60. Doors 9pm nightly. Ticket sales link available on the Lavi GAA County Cabin Facebook page. Phoenix Waste, locally owned waste collection service in the Dundalk and Midlouth areas. An unbeatable three bins for just €20 per month. Free glass collection available. No contracts, no hassle. Go to phoenixwaste.ie for more. That's phoenixwaste.ie. With Tuala Lucy for the biggest hits and the hottest tunes. Get into the zone. Weekdays from 6 on LMFM. With the fabulous newly refurbished Murphy's of Fork Hill. For all your grocery and refreshment needs with no minimum price on alcohol and special offers on wines, beers, and much more. Murphy's of Fork Hill. Only minutes from Dundalk. LMFM. The Late Lunch. Brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk, and Cavan. Save thousands when you order your all-new 232 Renault Megane E-Tech today and drive off with an electric vehicle bonus and SEAI grant. See BlackstoneMotors.ie Number one in the Irish bestsellers, it's late lunch book of the month. Isn't she lovely, Andrea Mara? It's called No One Saw a Thing. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. I have a copy sitting beside me here. Brand new. I want to give it to one of you. 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text me now 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text the answer to this question in which city is Oxford Circus Underground Station in which city is Oxford Circus Underground Station it's in the book simple that one isn't it it's not easy it is easy it's very easy Oxford Circus Underground Station in which city is it for the book 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. June Bank Holiday Weekend is imminent and the Carrick Macross Street Festival is back from this Friday right through to Bank Holiday Monday with lots of entertainment and events 
as ever, there's a fantastic programme with something for all of the family, including an opening night parade on Friday evening at 7 o'clock. There's kids' entertainment, street markets and a brilliant music lineup, including tributes to Queen and Paolo Nettini, Rula Bula and wonderful Philomena Begley is there too. For more information, log on to carrickmacross.ie forward slash festival. That's carrickmacross.ie forward slash festival festival. Louise, we were talking yesterday about my wife being very, very lucky the day before when it come it came to a crossing at a, a traffic lights. We were. In Drogheda. How and, is she now? Oh, she's all right. And I told you she was badly mm. shook up by yeah. it. And we got a fair reaction from listeners as well about road safety. But it's shocking to think that since we only spoke yesterday, there have been two more fatalities mm. here in the northeast. One involving a tractor and young people in cabin. It's shocking. Young girl has lost her life there. And the other gentleman walking between Castle Bellingham, I think, and Anagas on that road there Another as well. pedestrian. Pedestrian as well. My God almighty. It's really, you know, you hear about these and they become commonplace. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah, we, it, years ago it used to be, <gasps> and there yeah. used to be pages about the the, per, God, the person God not now. that died, but not now it not might now. get a few paragraphs. Not now at all. You know what I mean? And, Oh my word, it's just, I say it again, we've got to slow down, pay attention, be careful whether you're a road user or a pedestrian or whatever. My God Almighty, please do. I just appeal to you to please take care and take heed of those fatalities. Lord, rest them all. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number three from this very week in 1997. And it was brought to us back then by British trip-hop group called Olive. It's from their debut album called Extra Virgin, which they released in 1996. And they actually first released this song in August 96. It didn't do much, but in 1997 it was certainly picked up. And guess what? Number three it is today in our countdown it actually made it to number one in the UK singles chart. Do you remember it? Here it is, our number three from this week in 1997. Olive, and you're not alone. Olive, you're not alone. Our number three from this very week in 1997 in our top five countdown on your late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Anthony, great to hear from you. Anthony Hoy, love to hear from you. Fascinating piece on the escargo, Jerry. They were truly wonderful, Anthony, I have to tell you. I wonder, what about the elderberries this year? We're going to have billions of them and I'd hate to see them go to waste. Well, Anthony won't be wasting them any anyway, making his wine. And the elderberry, it's a wonderful, wonderful fruit. fruit. You can do so much with it. Thanks for reminding us. Thanks indeed. Do try the escargot, Anthony. You'd enjoy them. I know that for sure. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Anya Tuffy is a trainee funeral director with Colm Kieran Funeral Directors in Cavan who launched My Farewell Wishes, which is now going nationwide. And she joins me to conclude our show today. Hi, Anya. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Good to talk to you again on the show. Just will you remind listeners what My Farewell Wishes is about? So My Farewell Wishes is a funeral pre-planning business. 
which it gives people the opportunity to have a say in their final farewell and what kind of funeral they want and you know, if they want to pick burial or cremation or something different, just to, to have a choice in what way what way you have a send-off. Now, when I hear you say that, I even think, oh my God, that's a bit surreal. I don't want to go down that road. Do you, do you hear that or do you understand that when people say that? You know, it's funny because I grew up in a house where my father was always talking about what he wanted for his funeral. So I was always used to talking about funerals, but I have learned that in the last couple of years, that some people are very uncomfortable talking about it and thinking about it. And that, you know, we have to just gently guide people through that process if they're not comfortable with it. And what often happens too is that maybe a person wants to have a conversation with their family, but the family maybe are, are nervous about talking about it or thinking about it. Um, but this just gives them the opportunity to gently approach it with their family. Um, our website as well, we also have a facility where people can either email or text into us so that if they don't want to have, you know, if they feel that it's a scary conversation to start out with, that we can start out gently with a text conversation or an email conversation just to gently approach the subject and make them more comfortable talking about it. That's interesting because it's just not the individual expressing their wishes. It's the family and you're so right there. People often say, listen, go out of that with you. Don't be talking like that. Forget about it. Push it down the road or whatever. But then when the day does arrive, those remaining often are challenged and it's a, it's a shocking, difficult time for those who have to make those decisions on behalf of the uh, person who's passed on, isn't it? Exactly. And, you know, um, we actually estimated, we went through our form and counted up and you can be asked as many as 60 questions in a funeral arranging meeting. And that's very hard for a family who's just lost a loved one. I often tell the story that um, when my, my father made a speech at one of my brother's weddings and he said that when my parents got married, they decided my mother would make all the small decisions and he would make all the big decisions. And he said, now, 25 years later, thankfully, there's been no big decisions. <laughs> 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 it was funny, you know, but when he passed away then, my mother found it very difficult mm. to think about those questions. Yes. And it just, you know, it, it's such a time of loss. And if some of those questions are answered in advance, it can just make it so much easier on a family. And that's what people, that's a lot of the motivation, you know, is to just take a wee bit of stress off your family for when you're gone. Now, it started with yourselves there in Kieran's in Cavan, and you are now nationwide. You know, you are supporting undertakers all over the country. Um, when someone actually, you know, sits down and writes down what they want. Who holds that? You know, we know the solicitor in general holds the will or there's a will made and it's kept somewhere safe. But who uh, holds those wishes and ensures that they are carried out to the deceased's, uh, you know, instructions? It's funny, you know, we've had a few events um, called Courageous Conversations where people would say that they have left wishes with their solicitor. But what we would say is that often, you know, People don't go to a solicitor until maybe after the funeral, and that might be too late then if you've left arrangements with the solicitor. So we hold, my farewell wishes hold your wishes on a, a database here, and then we send, we keep a copy, you get a copy, your representative, so the person that you have nominated that you think will be making your arrangements will get a copy, and your funeral director gets a copy. And that's one thing that's, you know, the, the openness and the transparency mm. so that your family member will know who to ring when the time comes to put the arrangements into place. 
Yeah, and generally families go with undertakers traditionally. We all know that anyway. Families go back uh, time and again uh, to uh, people they know to look after them. When in life should you do this? This can be done at any time. You know, anybody, for for 65-year-old, you can register your wishes at any stage. And they can also be revisited then, you know, at a later stage. We also offer that opportunity for people to prepay towards their funeral using our trust fund. Um, But we... You know, we're not hard selling on the financial mm. aspect of it. What we really just want to, to promote is the peace of mind that people get. I have seen people who've come into the office, either in person or over the phone. There's always that just after they have made it, you know, have signed the form or have just said, right, that's all the questions asked. And there's just there's an actual sigh that they do, you know, just oh, I just feel so much better. There really is a sigh of relief from just having got that out and having said what you would like for your farewell. Mm. And when uh, if they do that individually, do you then, you don't have to go back to the family of that, but it's there for whenever that time comes. Is it, that's exactly. the way it works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the family will have a copy, the funeral director will have a copy. Okay, okay. So you do engage the family when somebody uh, does this with yourselves. Even if they do it on an individual basis, you will still go back to the family with it. Exactly, because it's important that someone knows, especially if there's been a prepayment, you know, that that the family will know that a prepayment has been made through a certain funeral director, just in case they might choose somebody else when the time comes, especially mm. in the cities or that. So mm. we, we we want openness about what has been arranged and what has been paid towards or yes. not. My Farewell Wishes, it's called. How do people get in touch or do they go to the local undertaker directly to you or what? They can do either. We have our website is up and running now, myfarewellwishes.ie. We have a list of our partner funeral directors. You can get in touch through the website, through social media, all sorts of different ways. We're we're very easy to find on a Google search now, thank goodness. Very good. Anya, thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Lovely to chat to you. Bye. That's Anya Tuffy there from Colm Kieran Funeral Directors in Cavan talking about my farewell wishes. We're going to say farewell to you now for today. Hopefully we'll be back tomorrow at half past one. Do join us then. Eddie Caffrey's on his way uh, with the drive now. Wonderful music and more besides. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely midweek Wednesday evening. See you Thursday. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.